the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And on this episode, it's a slightly new format of episode, same film conversation, but this is the first of the occasional Spouses Request movies, in which one of our partners will pick a movie for us. This week, in celebration of my wife Alison's birthday, it's 1988's Cocktail, directed by Roger Donaldson. Thank you very much, Alison. And this has made us question is whether our spouses can be trusted to pick movies for us to review. Hi everyone, Darren here. This is an extra content warning for this episode because our coverage of Cocktail features discussion of a plot point which involves the suicide of a character. If you're in any doubt, please switch off now and we'll be back with you for episode 95. Thank you. Now, on with the episode. So take it away, uh, me. Yes, it's Spouse's Request time. And... My lovely wife, Alison, has picked Cocktail for us to review, which is the 1988 movie directed by Roger Donaldson and starring none other than Tom Cruise. The reason Alison picked this was because it reminds her of the time she spent in America when she was studying and she actually went to the cinema to see this while she was in the States. I think another reason that she has probably picked this is because my dislike of cocktail has grown over the years to the point where I said that I was never going to see it again. So Alison took her chance to make me watch this again for the podcast. Did I like it more than I did many years ago when I last saw it? Well, we're going to get into that. But first, before all of that, it's a synopsis. And I do believe that we have a synopsis from the king of the synopsis, Mr. Nick Reganus. First time for 2023. We've been waiting for this moment. So what does Nick Reganus have to say about Cocktail 1988? Bent on becoming a successful millionaire, ambitious ex-military man Brian serves drinks at a New York City tavern and studies for his degree while waiting for his big break. Then, veteran bartender and cynical mentor Doug enters the picture, convinced that their chemistry and flamboyant tricks behind the bar will soon make the dynamic bartending duo famous and rich. But all good things must come to an end, as Brian tries to raise money in Jamaica to open his dream bar. Chance encounter with a beautiful young waitress, Jordan, leads to a whirlwind romance and heartbreak. After all, love is a delicate thing. Is Brian sure he wants a future with Jordan? So. 
I have never seen this movie until last night for the purposes of this podcast. It's always a film I've been aware of. The logo with the neon pink says cocktail. That's always been something that I've been aware of. And I had it in my mind that this was probably quite a popular film from Tom Cruise's back catalogue. But again, never seen it. And when Alison challenged us to review this film, I thought it might not be my cup of tea, but how bad can it actually be? Well, I have to say, I strongly dislike this movie. Yep, that's fair enough. I also strongly disliked this movie. I strongly disliked it before, but if anything, I dislike it even more now, having seen it again. It's not apparently one of Tom Cruise's favourites among his own filmography. I don't think he's particularly proud of it. And fair play, Tom, you've done a lot better work than this. Roger Donaldson, the director, done some good stuff. Previous year, directed No Way Out. Kevin Costner, Sean Young, Gene Hackman. Brilliant movie. Absolutely brilliant movie. Haywood Gould, who wrote the screenplay, written some good stuff. Rolling Thunder, really good 70s revenge movie. But Haywood Gould has adapted the screenplay from his own novel. He wrote a novel about this, about his own experiences tending bar. But apparently he isn't satisfied with the finished product either. Now, I'm not really sure why, considering you're adapting the screenplay from your own work and you're probably responsible for most of what's up there. I don't think it's a badly directed movie. Unfortunately, I think all of the problems lay with the writing in this because it's terribly plotted. It's very soapy. It's quite predictable most of the way through. The characters aren't very engaging. And biggest sin of the lot. It's so fucking sexist, this movie. It's dreadfully sexist. It treats women absolutely dreadfully throughout the entire running time. They're just there to be scammed or taken advantage of. And the whole thing seems to be, oh, if you can find a rich woman and take her for everything she's got, that's the way to make your millions. I don't know what sort of message that is supposed to be in a movie. Not a very good one, to be perfectly honest. I couldn't remember why I'd hated it so much. I knew it was a bit sort of misogynistic and sexist, and I kind of thought, well, yeah, that's going to trigger me this time as well. But I didn't realise just how misogynistic and sexist it is. It's a fucking dreadful movie for it. And I can't even believe that they got away with this in the late 80s. I'm sure people came out of this in 1988 and thought, no, I, I just don't accept this. I didn't see it until it came on video and I genuinely didn't like it then but there is so much wrong with this movie it's smug for no reason at all it's terribly written it's all over the place tonally it's got some dreadful attempts at comedy and it just has this low opinion of its female characters and I'm sorry fuck you cocktail fuck this movie <laughs> Where can I follow on from this? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement here. These were exactly the same reasons that I didn't get on with this film. I think the beginning of it, I was like, okay, this isn't too bad. You know, we're following this guy. He's trying to pursue his dreams. He's getting knocked back a lot. And you think, you know, at this point, you want him to come good and achieve it in his own right and work his way up from the bottom. And, you know, if it's that kind of 
the unlikely hero story comes a good that that would have been fine but i think the lead character brian flanagan becomes so much more unlikable the more he's influenced by his mentor doug throughout the movie and then again as we say his treatment of women it is absolutely appalling and i was just sitting there thinking what am i trying to get from this movie because i i can't get on board with the main characters i can't relate to them in any way and don't agree with all their schemes and actions in it we haven't got characters you can root for so i was sitting there thinking what is the point and then i got to about 53 minutes in so 53 minutes in was the point where he is having sex on the beach not the cocktail may i add literal sex on the beach with jordan and it's just the most cringy romantic scenes and i'm not there for it so i decided to see how long was left of this movie and there was just under an hour left and i thought okay where the hell can this go so i decided to message darren in my bafflement at this point and then he informs me that there are quite a few plot twists and location changes to come and i'm thinking okay from that point i could see exactly where it was going this guy he genuinely falls for this girl and she's nice enough neither of them are that interesting to be fair but it's like that standard movie romance fine whatever but instead of pursuing a good thing he had going he decides to listen to his friend and go after this rich woman who's a bit older than him just for her money and just so that he can prove a point that there's a lot of bets in this as well the, the men like to make bets about women in it and it's yeah it just leaves a really nasty taste in your mouth that was my main problem with it and then it just got even more ridiculous so he goes back to new york with the rich woman and then things don't work out there and then he comes across jordan again and then she throws a spanner in the works that she's pregnant and i was thinking okay this has all happened kind of super quick i can't remember what the time frame i don't know if they even mentioned the time frame between Jamaica and New York and the pregnancy and I just kind of switched off by this point and then he's like oh you know I've got to do the right thing but I'm still not on board with him at this point because he's still not a good guy he's still manipulative and then he discovers that Jordan is in fact a millionaire and I thought oh for real the one it got to that point and then her dad's having a go at him and that's just dragging the plot on and it's oh yeah there's just so many elements of this film that are nonsensical and I don't feel like I enjoyed this film whatsoever. Absolutely. The more it wore on, the more I thought, I just hate this movie. It's so in love with itself and it's so in love with its characters for no reason at all. The opening bit when Tom Cruise has to write an obituary about himself for his course his obituary says he's like a 99-year-old billionaire who died basically having sex to his seventh wife, who was 18 years old, and she'd been admitted to the hospital from exhaustion or something. It's like, oh, come on. Is this the level we're working at? Is this it? Is this what its view of the sort of strong, powerful male and the fawning, subservient woman is? It's a fucking dreadful piece of shit, this movie. At some point in the bar, they've got all these women mooning over them while they're spinning the bottles and singing along to hippies be shaken. And at one point, he says, oh, yeah, there's a woman over there who's, like, giving me serious fuck-me-eyes. It's like, oh, come on. Get over yourself. I like Brian Brown as an actor. I think he's really good. 
he annoys the fuck out of me in this. He's awful. And I think that's part of the problem. And he's so good at being awful in this. He's meant to be an awful character. And he gives such a good performance as somebody who's genuinely horrible that it kind of tips over. It crosses the line. And it's like, you know, I, I just don't have any sympathy for these people at all. And this whole thing where it's trying to paint Brian Flanagan as a hero, this kind of misunderstood genius. No, no, he's an awful person. He's an awful person motivated by awful things. And having him even sort of have this, this like moment of epiphany at the end, where he suddenly realises that he has to make something of his life and he has to be decent. He's not doing it for the right reasons, really. He's suddenly confronted with this situation. And basically, he's just doing it out of being bloody-minded and to try and sort of stick it to the man. It's like, well, fine. But basically, if I was Elizabeth Shue's character, she's just surrounded by dickheads, which includes her father. I'd have just said, right, you know, I've got enough money. I don't need anybody to take care of the kid other than me. I'll go off somewhere. They try to introduce some jeopardy. The father's like, oh, I'll cut you off if you go off with this guy. It's like, I don't care. Because you know where this movie is going from about an hour in. Yeah, he's going to make a success of himself. But this whole thing about him just trying to make bets to seduce women. It's like, and it's like, oh, it's what guys do. It is not what guys do. I don't hang around with people who make bets about seducing women. That's fucking childish behaviour. That's, that's, that belongs in a fucking schoolyard. I'm sorry, guys. But even then, I mean, I know it's the 80s and I know there was excess in the 80s and I know everything was kind of turned up to 11. But this, it's just unforgivable. It's a product of a decade that churned out a lot of questionable stuff. But this is probably some of the most questionable stuff out there. Dialogue lines like when one of them is playing hard to get, one of these women. Tom Cruise says, oh, it wouldn't be any fun if they just fell over with their legs in the air. Oh, fuck off. I mean, really, fuck off if you're going to say something like that about a woman. I'm sorry, it wasn't acceptable then. It's totally unacceptable now. And to dress it up as this kind of underdog story where there's this guy fighting the system to pursue his dream. Yeah, give me that sort of story. But give me that story about a guy that I can actually root for than somebody that is such a dickhead through most of this movie. Even when Doug's wife is seducing him, he doesn't kind of push her off straight away. So this guy will pretty much chase anything with a skirt. And he's supposed to be our hero. I'm sorry, no. This movie crashes and burns on so many levels. And even the fact that everybody says, oh, you know, the soundtrack's great. You remember it for the music. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those movies that's got somebody who's credited with actually putting the soundtrack together. So you can see where this movie was coming from. It was just to sell a few records as well. Yeah, I'm not denying that there's some good tunes on there. But they're just trying to crowbar things in. So it's like, oh, look at this song, you know. We can sell the movie with this song. I mean, Kokomo by the Beach Boys, that was a big selling point of this movie, apparently. The Jamaica sequence in this movie, it's over after about 20 minutes. There's about 80 minutes of movie in New York, 20, 25 minutes in Jamaica. So the sequence that is like selling the movie, it's kind of half of the second act. So it doesn't even take place in the location that you think it's going to do. It's kind of, it has a little bit of a sojourn to there. Then comes straight back to New York with all this sort of soapy stuff where he's searching his soul and he's punching people in art galleries and he's doing this 
whole dramatic psychological breakdown stuff. But by this time, I'm just thinking, I just don't give a shit about any of this. Yeah, I was definitely on the same page there. By the time, as I said, we got past Jamaica, I was like, where the hell is this going to go now? I know where this is going to go. The road of predictability. And you just literally don't care by the end. And what I'm curious about with this film and the way it was marketed, I'm guessing it did want to try and pull in female audiences with the whole rom-com angle. And I'd be curious to know is what appeals to women about this film. Now, okay, you could arguably say Tom Cruise is very attractive. I know that he was considered a bit of a pin-up back in the day and one of the world's most attractive male actors. A lot of women fancied him. So I'm wondering, okay, he's the pull, but when you're actually watching it and seeing how his treatment of women, is that still appealing? Does this film still have appeal? I don't think it does. Yeah, I totally agree that they probably marketed it on Tom Cruise's ability to attract a female audience and a male one as well, because came off Top Gun, so all the guys were going to see him be cool like he was in Top Gun. All the women are going to see it because he's Tom Cruise and he's a good-looking guy. And he's very charismatic. But to cast him in this sort of role, yeah, I can understand why he wanted something that was a little bit more gritty and maybe sort of less red, white and blue than Maverick was. But it doesn't work here because, you know, Tom Cruise has got this weird thing about, like, when he's a hero, he's still got this kind of smug edge to him. Now, you can kind of set that aside when he's in things like Mission Impossible and Top Gun Maverick and stuff. Yeah, he's smug, he's brash, he's kind of annoying, but he's also very heroic and he does what's right. Now, when you take the smug, brash, annoying stuff and glue it onto a character that's actually not very likeable, you just want him to fail, which is not the point of this movie. This guy wants to make a success of himself, whatever the cost. But to have somebody that dislikable doing all of this stuff you can't get engaged about it at all and by the end when there's all these confrontations going on you're not really in any sort of frame of mind to get excited or upset or moved by any of it spoiler alert brian brown's character spirals into a depression in the last 10-15 minutes of the movie and him and Tom Cruise have a heart-to-heart. Tom Cruise goes back to talk to Brian Brown's wife because she's saying that their relationship's in trouble. Then he goes back to Brian Brown, who's on this yacht, and Brian Brown's character has killed himself. Now, you kind of suspect that this might be coming, but the way it's handled as well, it's very abrupt, and it's kind of a play for emotion, and it's quite gruesome as well. I mean, the suicide's pretty nasty. You don't see him do it, but the aftermath's quite nasty. And even then, when everything's been taken away from Tom Cruise's character, you know, he's lost his best friend. I mean, arguably, if you want that sort of best friend, your standard of friendship can't be that high. But he's lost his best friend, his mentor, Elizabeth Shue's character, Jordan. She doesn't want anything to do with him. So he's pretty much lost everything at this point, and he's upset, and he's crying on the boat. And this should be like the big emotional payoff of the movie, that it kind of it sets him down the road to doing something good. And... Fair play to Tom Cruise, he's given it all he's got. As a performance, yeah, I guess it's fine. But at the same time, again, you just think, well, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's it's cruel, but I just don't give a fuck about your character. This whiny, self-pitying mentor, 
has frittered away everybody else's money. He's married somebody just because she was rich. And now he's killed himself. Guy was an arsehole. Yeah, I didn't really care that much when he died either. I was like, okay, saw that coming. And then, as you say, it's handled so abruptly. You just don't have really time to process it and see how that's going to affect the Brian Flanagan character. But Jordan's character really did frustrate me. I mean, I just kind of wish that she'd have been like, no, I don't need you, and walked away and been a strong, successful woman on her own. But the fact that she takes him back, not only that marries him, Oh, and the ending, like, what the fuck is that ending? I mean, <laughs> did the writers not understand how pregnancy works? Why, when she looks like she's about to drop, is, does she announce that she's having twins? I mean, surely the first scan would indicate that. So why that's such a surprise to him? I mean, what the hell? And that's how the movie ends. She tells him they're having twins, and then he gets really excited to prove a point that that's not going to spook him, and then credits roll. I just thought, what a stupid ending. Yeah. A stupid movie. <laughs> yep, it's just full of dumb asses. this movie. The dumb asses are not restricted to the main characters. The supporting cast are all dumb asses as well. And it's a shame because there's some really good talent in there. Gina Gershon, love Gina Gershon. She's in this movie, she's in it very, very briefly as one of uh, Brian's love interests. And at least she has the good grace to get out of the plot fairly early on. Again, Elizabeth Shue, love Elizabeth Shue. She's completely wasted in this movie. She's saddled with a non-part and a non-character who just reacts to everything around her. She doesn't have any agency. She just seems to follow Brian around, even though she's saying, oh, you know, you mean nothing to me, and she throws him out of her apartment and things like that. You know that by the end, he's going to just come up with some bullshit and she's going to fall into his arms, which is exactly what happens at the end. So the message of this movie seems to be, you can be an absolute shit and exploit women for benefit but don't worry you're going to be all right in the end because you'll get your happy ever after and you'll get your dream cocktail bar and you'll be holding court with loads and loads of drunk people who are asking you to recite poems it's a hateful piece of shit this movie i can't say anything nicer about this Um, all i can say is that it's technically well made because it's from touchstone and they've spent some money on it, and the locations are nice, and they've taken some time to actually make a technically competent movie. But dramatically, it doesn't work. As a dark comedy, it doesn't work. As a Tom Cruise star vehicle, it doesn't work, because it doesn't deliver what you expect from Tom Cruise. Even stuff like Rain Man, where he's a horrible guy in Rain Man, but he goes through an experience in Rain Man, and he comes out the other side a decent guy because he goes through this road trip with Dustin Hoffman's character and and eventually he realises what a rotten piece of shit he's been and then he's okay. Here, he's a rotten piece of shit for about 95 minutes and then something happens and then he kind of tries to atone for it slightly and then the movie gives him an out. He is a completely transformed human being now. Look what he's like now. It's like, No, he's the same fucking piece of shit he was at the start of the movie. He's just got more money in a cocktail bar now, and he's married, and his wife's going to have twins. But he's still the same piece of shit he was when the credits rolled. So what's this movie saying? Yeah, exactly how I felt about it. I couldn't feel 
elated for this character because we didn't go on a journey with him that saw him change. We didn't see him go through some sort of epiphany. As I said, he just remains that asshole. And you know that if they made a second one or if we followed on the story, I don't think their marriage would stand the test of time, personally, just going by his behaviour and the whole context of it all. It's just not great. I haven't seen enough Tom Cruise movies, I have to be honest, to kind of compare or anything, but I think this is probably the worst one out of the handful I've probably seen. <laughs> oh, dear. Going into some facts now, this is one that Darren was quite surprised by. Allegedly, they considered Robin Williams for the Brian Flanagan role. It was because he had previously starred in Club Paradise, a movie from 1986. He did then star in Roger Donaldson's next film, Cadillac Man. And then it just says that both Club Paradise and Cocktail were filmed in Jamaica. Well, that's the only bit of information it gives us, so I don't really know what the thought process of Robin Williams playing this character, because I can't envision it. I mean, Robin Williams, fantastic actor, fantastic comedian. I love him, love all his work. But this is just, yeah, very odd casting choice. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. I've seen Club Paradise. It's not very good, to be perfectly honest. But how would that have worked with the mentor relationship? Robin Williams being mentored by Brian Brown? I mean, surely they'd have had to make the Brian Brown character older because it's that kind of almost like that father-son thing. I mean, Robin Williams as Brian Flanagan, does he have that edge, really? We've seen him play less sympathetic characters, but there's also a core of odd decency as well. I mean, even in something like One Hour Photo, what Robin Williams plays is a very complicated character in that. And to all intents and purposes, he comes across as the villain when you start watching one hour photo but as you move along you realize that he's actually a reasonably sympathetic character but he just can't deal with society now could he bring that to something like cocktail it's a weird casting idea that i don't think that would have worked whatsoever they had a ton of people vying for uh, jordan mooney's part as well i mean i think jodie foster was up for the um, Jordan Mooney role. I mean, Jodie Foster, that, that is way below Jodie Foster's talent, I'm sorry. So other actresses that were up for the Jordan Mooney part as well were Jennifer Grey, Demi Moore, Ali Sheedy, as you say, Jodie Foster, Daryl Hannah, Sarah Jessica Parker and Jennifer Jason Lee. So they were all quite upcoming names at the time, prolific with the... 80s blockbuster Hollywood movies at the time so they're all associated with that so I think again I could see probably quite a few of them in that part but I don't think it really matters by this point because I think they all dodged a bullet because it's not an interesting dynamic female role to play and as other actors that were up to the part of Brighton include Keanu Reeves, John Travolta, Rob Lowe, Tom Hanks, Steve Guttenberg, Bill Murray and Jeff Bridges. Bill Murray, that's a, an yeah. interesting one. Bill Mur <laughs> I can't see Bill Murray in that role. John Travolta, yeah, I can kind of see that with him. Tom Hanks, I guess mm -hmm. maybe Tom Hanks was trying to diversify a little bit from the sort of, you know, everyday nice guy. I think it's a poison chalice, this role anyway. I think whoever took it, clearly it didn't harm Tom Cruise's career any because he's Tom Cruise. He can churn out an absolute piece of crap and then still come back with a decent movie the next time around. 
it's a weird movie cocktail because it's a big studio audience pleasing flick that does nothing really to please its audience other than plonk Tom Cruise in a nice location and go, oh, look at the eye candy. Ignore all the stuff that's going on over there where he's been a fucking dreadful person. Just look at the eye candy. Oh, look at the look at the drinks. Oh, look at the bottle spinning. All this impressive stuff that we've got on screen. We know he's acting like a dreadful piece of shit, but you know, ignore that. Just look at all the nice stuff we've put up on screen, like the nice houses and the lovely shots of New York and Caribbean locations. It's like, no, no, no. The fact of the matter is that you can dress it up as much as you want, but this is a dreadful movie about dreadful people with a dreadful script. Nothing happens of any consequence over its like 102 minutes or however, however long it runs. I watched it for the podcast, quite happy to do it because that's what was nominated. But I never, ever want to see this movie again. I am fucking done with Cocktail. Yeah, I can't ever see myself re-watching this film. I will not be touching it with a barge pole. But I have to mention, otherwise my husband won't forgive me for this, but (laughs) he was highly amused by the moment where Jordan is drawing that sketch of Brian. And it looks nothing like him. And to the point where it literally just made him burst out laughing because it was just so ridiculous. I like artwork in movies that doesn't bear any relation to what's (laughs) being drawn. She should have just said, oh, it's an abstract and got herself out of it by that. He's wanted to see it before she's finished. So he snatches the drawing pad off her. He never looks at the piece of artwork and goes, that's nothing like me. What have you been drawing? People like Elizabeth Shue are kind of frustrated artists with a lot of money. It's just this weird collision between aspirational and quite grubby. It's just an odd combination of stuff to have a movie about. And even the sort of aspirational stuff, it's like, well, if that's what you want to get out of life, fine, count me out of it. I'm happy where I am. And maybe if that's some weird message to the movie, it's like, well... Be happy with your lot, and even the people with loads of money are really not very happy. That's fine, I get that. But I don't suspect that is the message of this movie. It's like, no, no, go out, make some money. It doesn't matter who you trample underfoot. As long as you end life with the most cash, and you've got the biggest number of zeros in your bank account, then yeah, you've won. You can be a horrible fucking sexist pig, and it's fine as long as you've got a decent bar to back you up. And an, and an army of braying arseholes at the bar going, oh, give me another drink. It's like, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> no, it's not a great movie. I can't say that I hate it, hate it. But as I said, I strongly disliked it. I did not agree with the message it was trying to send out. And as you say, it's horrible and sexist. And it has characters that you cannot get behind. And that's where it falls flat, because if you can't root for the characters, what's the point going on this journey? And as I said, the journey goes nowhere because we've not seen this character grow as a person. So what are we supposed to gain from this? Well, IMDb gave it a 5.9 out of 10. So obviously it's thinking, this movie's pretty average. I mean, as you say, good location shots. The whole Jamaica sequence is pretty cool in terms of aesthetic. And it looks like a great place to be, but... Other than that, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 9% tomato meter at a 58% audience score. So this did not bode well for the critics. I imagine that that's the sort of thing that they took one look at this and just thought it's morally bankrupt, this movie. We're not getting behind it. 
and I, I agree with them if that's the tack that they did take because there's nothing that I would recommend in this movie to people who are going for a good experience. I guess audiences, you come out, it's probably a Friday night movie, you've had a couple of beers, you go to the cinema, maybe you go in a group of people or maybe you take a date and I guess if it's a date movie and you don't have to tax your brain too much, it's not the sort of movie that is going to stir anything in particular other than, well, in my case, absolute hatred of it because it's so bloody awful. But I guess for most people who are just going for like a, a night out at the cinema, I'm not going to say it's harmless because it's not harmless, but it's the sort of thing that people will go and completely forget about. And when somebody talks to them about it the week after, they'll go, did you go see Cocktail? Yeah, what was it like? And they'll go, and they won't remember it. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I guess it was okay. And it'll be that sort of movie. It's only when you come back to it with the passing of time that you realise just what a horrendous piece of crap it is. And uh, it's stinking up Disney Plus at the moment. So if you've got Disney Plus, you can see it for nothing. I would not even bother. There's so much more stuff on Disney Plus that you can watch in front of this. So if there's a way that you can delete it from Disney Plus, I'm sure you can't. But don't put it on your watch list. There's loads of stuff that you could watch on Disney Plus before this. This is probably the last thing you want to see on Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm exhausting myself with just complaining about this movie now. But it's jaw-droppingly offensive, I have to say. I mean, I thought it was bad before, but seeing it in 2023 with a different pair of eyes considering what's happened in society over the last three decades, this is just completely unacceptable. I'm sorry, it's totally unacceptable. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the right tone for Disney, does it, at all? But Peppa Pig is also now on Disney+, Plus, so just putting that out there, so I don't know if that's the right tone for it either, because she's a brat. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather watch Peppa Pig than cocktail to be honest watch this space we could uh, be doing a pepper pig episode i think darren would have a lot of thoughts Uh, back to cocktail it's listed among the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made in john wilson's book the official razzie movie guide so what does that tell you i mean enjoyably bad (laughs) no No. not for me i mean i there's plenty of enjoyably bad movies leprechaun recently i think that would definitely fall into that category but this, there was no enjoyment. It was just a kind of sad experience just watching these deplorable people doing horrendous things yeah. and getting good out of it. Well, apart from Doug, because obviously it doesn't end well for him to the point where we don't even care. That's what's like even worse about it. We can't even sympathise with this man who's taken his own life. And I mean, I don't know what that says about us, but that movie did not hit the right emotional note to get us to that point where we're like, oh my God, that moment should have been so profound and it should have really shaken Brian Farnigan up to change his life. But it's like, he does the right thing in his opinion by marrying Jordan and trying to do good by his child, by providing. But he's, as you say, he's the same arsehole. It's that same arsehole personality that's coming across. So you just don't feel good about it. I just was just glad when the movie was over because it was a torturous experience. It's too long. This film is too long as well. That's its downfall because you get to the 53-minute point and you think, oh, my God, there's more. (laughs) Yeah, ultimately, I have to say this, it's a terrible joke, but ultimately, 
cocktail is a tale about a cock. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 94 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to check out more of our content, you can follow us on social media, but on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Coming soon, episode 95. And for episode 95, we have a double bill of 95 movies. From 1995, we have the bizarre combo of Amy Heckerling's Clueless and then Jim Wynorski's The Wasp Woman. I'm excited to get these movies watched. Never seen The Wasp Woman before, so I'm excited to see a low-budget 90s TV genre movie. Clueless I haven't seen for the longest time, so looking forward to re-watching that one. We're not doing 95 movies, as in the number 95. We're doing two movies that were released in the year 1995. So stay tuned and hope you enjoy. Until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.